Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. We're in a 10-week series uh, covering the Ten Commandments, and we're in week three. And as we begin uh, today's message, I'd like to invite you to do a little exercise with me. Uh, Real simple, nothing hard. But just imagine if you were administering a survey. And let's say you were going out, imagine Festpack or the crowd or just some public place. You're going out and uh, you're asking people just one simple question, and that is this. We'll put it up on the screen. What is the first thought when you think of the Ten Commandments? And what do you think some of the responses might be? Would it be Moses? Would it be a movie? Would it be a code of ethics for an ancient civilization long ago? Or would it be religion? As you take this survey, there might run in, you might run into people out there who, um, they may not say it, but there might be this thinking in the background that the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament are an old code of ethics for an ancient civilization that doesn't apply to us anymore that we are a new generation, mankind has evolved over time, we have kind of a new code of ethics for a new generation, we live in a new era. And if a person was to actually live by that kind of thinking, they would be making a big mistake. Because God's moral law is universal and constant. That means um, it applies to everybody, it doesn't matter where you live or what your culture is, And it never changes. And it's important to keep that in mind because all throughout history, relationships have been relationships. They don't change. And the same expectations of decency and respect have always been there and always affect relationships. Amen? Amen. The Ten Commandments were introduced when God made a covenant with the people of Israel. This is found in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Uh, We'll read it together. Exodus 19, God said, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. And as Armin so insightfully pointed out when we started this series, the reason God gave the Ten Commandments was to preserve his people until the time of Christ who would usher in a new covenant. As we talk about covenant, I want to share with you a thought that maybe you hadn't considered before, and that is a covenant is an agreement, right? But it's not a contract. It's different from a contract. A contract is made between two equals, and it can be negotiated, but a covenant, especially in the Bible, is from a higher to a lower. It's from a greater to a lesser. It can be accepted, or it can be rejected, but it cannot be changed. That's the uniqueness of a covenant. So having said that, how do we consider the Old Testament? How do we consider the Ten Commandments? How do we consider Old Testament law? Because some people might reason, well, aren't there some Old Testament practices that we no longer use or apply today? 
For example, what about the dietary laws in the Old Testament? You know, would it be inconsistent to apply some of the Old Testament laws and not others? Are we really being genuine in our adherence to the Bible if we're kind of picking and choosing which ones we want to apply in life? Have you ever heard that thinking? Okay, well, here's a tool, here's a a guiding principle that will help you work that through in your thinking as you're applying God's word in your own life. And the guiding principle is this. Wherever the New Testament does not update the Old Testament, then the Old Testament law still stands. It still remains. Wherever the New Testament does not update the Old Testament, then it still stands. It still remains. So, how does that, how does that work? There are three types of Old Testament law. There were dietary laws, there were ceremonial laws, and there are moral laws. And two of those categories got updated in the New Testament. Do you know which ones? The dietary law is one, yes. You may recall in your Bible reading when Peter had a vision in Acts chapter 10 he saw something like a great sheet being lowered down from the sky, from its four corners. And inside it were all kinds of four-footed animals and creatures. And a voice came to him and said, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And he said, never, Lord. My lips have never touched anything unclean. And the voice said, whatever God has cleansed, do not declare unholy. And that experience, that vision and those words occurred three times. And so there was a little bit of a double meaning in what Peter was experiencing. One, of course, had to do with food, but the other had to do with the fact that the Gentiles were about to be ushered into the church. And prior to that, in Jewish thinking, Gentiles were like untouchables. And God was saying, whatever I have cleansed, do not declare unholy. And then the Jewish believers were soon to discover that God's Holy Spirit was, all, was also indwelling Gentiles, and they too were being added to the church. The other one is the ceremonial law. You know, when Jesus was crucified, there was a great earthquake. And it says that the, the veil in the temple was torn in two. And access to the Holy of Holies, it was symbolic of it, the access of holy, to the Holy of Holies being made available to all. Prior to that, there were ceremonies that were conducted in the temple, sacrifices for the forgiveness of men that had happened generation after generation, many hand-washing ceremonial laws that were in play. And when Jesus came, he, he was the ultimate sacrifice. And so the ceremonial law was no longer necessary, no longer needed. The only law that was not updated was God's moral law. In fact, God's moral law was not just, it didn't just remain, it was actually reinforced. Jesus said, you know, if you even think it, you've done it. He took it a step further beyond action. He took it to the the internal. And what is our heart? And so he, he brought it to highlight even more. What we want to do today as we're talking about the commandments and covenant, we want to look at commandment number three. Commandment number three is found in Exodus chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 7. We'll read it together. 
You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So here you have the command, and you also have the accountability to that command. There are two parts. So let's, t- let's, let's focus on the first part. What are misuses of God's name? Can you think of some? I was talking to a lady a couple months ago, and she was sharing her testimony. And she said, yeah, when I grew up in my home, God's name was a cuss word. That's a very common. Another one is making a false oath using God's name. You ever hear somebody say, I swear to God, I tell you it's the truth. Be careful when somebody's overcompensating and needing to use the name that is above every name in order just to let your yes be yes or your no be no. Another one is to manipulate. Sometimes people may say something like, you know, it's the God-honest truth. I tell you with God is my witness. they're, They're trying to convince. They're trying to add weight. They're trying to add validity to what they're saying. Another way that God's name is sometimes misused is when people take advantage of others using God's name. I have seen churches where people using their apparent relationship with God to gain the free trust that is often given between believers to borrow money but never pay it back. That has happened. Aren't you glad that God does not let those go unpunished who use his name, who misuse his name. <laughs> you know, we like to say God is watching. <laughs> Always. The other way that God's name is often misused is just out of carelessness. You know, people don't really mean it, but they're just not really thinking, you know, something will happen. They're like, O-M-G. And it's no biggie. We're just thinking it's an expression. But... That's using God's name. And for what? You know, God's name is the highest name above all names. And then we take a usage that is lessening the value. It's kind of like empty speech. In fact, there are some translations when it talks about Exodus 27, it says, do not take the Lord's name in vain. The word vain, one of the translations, one of the definitions is emptiness of speech. And sometimes we can just kind of throw it around as common vocabulary in a way that it has little weight or value. Another way God's name is sometimes misused is praying for things that God wouldn't pray for. Have you ever heard that? I remember once there was a small church praying for a place to move to, and there was this nice big building that was available, and a small prayer group got together in the parking lot, And one of the ladies just went into warfare prayer and just claiming in Jesus' name, this is our land. And just with all kinds of confidence as if it was already a done deal. And I remember the whole time the prayer was going on, I'm thinking in my mind, are you sure you heard from God? Are you sure? You know, one of the ways to know when God has spoken is it comes to pass. And unfortunately, that prayer didn't come to pass. But sometimes we can make assumptions about what is God's will, and we can pray that way. The other way that we can misuse God's name is through slander. Slander is is sometimes uh, misunderstood for gossip. 
Gossip is when you're telling somebody something, but it's none of their business. It happens to be true, but the person you're talking to does not need to know. And there's a lot of that that goes on. And so that's, that's gossip. But slander is when you say something that's not true. It's not true. And so you malign their character. So an example of God's character being maligned or his name being slandered, there have been movies that have come out where they portray Jesus as being married to Mary Magdalene and they had kids. Or another movie where Jesus is gay and he has his group of disciples with him. Nothing whatsoever to substantiate any of that. Misusing God's name. God will not let those go unpunished who misuse his name. So why is it this happens? Why? You know, last week I mentioned whenever God tells us not to do something, (laughs) it's because he knows we're tempted to do so. And so God, of all the things that could happen in life, this is one of the top ten. Don't misuse his name because he knows we'll be tempted to do so. And so why is that? Well, one reason is just out of ignorance. Some people just don't know. Maybe they've not really read the Ten Commandments and meditated on that and thought about what are the misuses and how does that apply in life. Maybe they they just don't know. OMG, I mean, I didn't think it was a big deal. Another reason is just carelessness. Maybe they do know, but haven't really got a conviction in their heart about having a discipline to control what we say, and they just let things on the fly without really thinking about it. Just kind of careless. Just let it go. Just let it come out. Another reason that people sometimes misuse God's name is because they're just spiritually dead. They don't know the Lord. They don't have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit's not at work in their life. They don't have any idea what we're talking about here. They've never read the Bible, and they could care less. And so they say, GD this and GD that and GD it. And that's just common vocabulary. I want to take a moment to kind of step back in this series. We're on commandment number three. But there is a common denominator that all three commandments we've covered so far have. We've talked about there shall be no other gods before the Father talked about not having any idols, which is similar. Those are substitutes for God. And then today, number three, not misusing God's name. And there's something that all of those have in common. In fact, you could say all of the commandments have this theme in common, and that is it's all about the principle of honor. It's all about the principle of honor. In God's kingdom, the principle of honor is huge. It is big. That's why, in our vision statement that you heard Ophi talk about, we exist to honor God. It's big. Last week, I mentioned that your relationship with God is reflected in your relationships with people. And your relationships with people reveal your relationship with God. And so it's no wonder that when you get to the fifth commandment, it starts out by saying, Honor your mom and dad that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. The two go hand in hand. This principle is all throughout the Ten Commandments. 
All of that is part one of this commandment. Not, do not misuse God's name. The second part says, the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So why would God discipline? Well, as I said, honoring is, the most import, is one of the most important things in the kingdom of God. It's one of the most important things in life. Whether or not we learn to honor, especially authority, will determine how well your life goes or doesn't go. You know, when my kids were little and they were in school, I would go to the parent-teacher conferences. And the girls actually did very well. And some teachers, I would walk into the classroom and they would look at me kind of puzzled like, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here. And I was like, you know what? I'm not here to talk about the grades. I'm here to talk about what's happening in the relationships in the classroom. Do my kids honor you? Are they honoring their friends? Are they being honored by their friends? I want to know what's happening socially in the classroom. And so one day, my youngest daughter, she came home, and she said there was an incident in the classroom. And one of the boys was really mad, and he stormed out of the classroom, and he turned around as he exited the door, and he said something to all the girls in the classroom. Can't repeat what he said but it was very dishonoring. And so the next day, I went to the school, and I said, excuse me, can I talk to you for a minute? And so we went around the corner. It was a little private, and I felt bad before I even started. He had a little tear coming out the corner of his eye. I said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. I said, I just don't want you talking to my daughter that way. That's my daughter, and I love her, and you don't talk to her that way. Agreed? He said, yes. I said, okay. You know, God doesn't tolerate it, and neither should we dishonor in relationships. There's a lot of question because of the way society is about how to honor God. I mean, it, it's rampant. Dishonor is rampant. Just turn on the TV. Just watch a movie. Just listen to what's out there. I was walking by Chuck E. Cheese I can't even repeat what I heard on the intercom. I was walking by Chuck E. Cheese at GPO. I was going to get some lunch. I got out of my car, and you know they have that intercom playing on the sidewalk right outside their entrance? And I heard a cuss word. I said, what? This is a children's place. I walked into the door. They were just opening. I said to the lady, this is what it said. And she looked surprised. I said, you guys should listen to what you're playing on the intercom in a children's establishment. But it's everywhere. There's all kinds of dishonor everywhere. And so people just get desensitized. They just think, what's the big deal? It's, it's, everybody's doing it. So how do we honor God? The best thing to do is to go back to Scripture and to see the examples there. We'll just start with the name of Jesus. Do you know what the name of Jesus means? The name of Jesus means God saves doesn't mean any other application that you might hear it in some sentence. God saves. You know, John chapter 20 is a scene where doubting Thomas got to see Jesus. The week before the disciples saw him, Thomas wasn't there. He said, I won't believe until I see with my own eyes. Eight days later, Jesus showed up. Thomas is there, and he believes. And it talks about miracles that Jesus had done. At the end of John chapter 20, it says, Jesus committed 
and performed many more miracles than what are recorded here in the gospel. But these were written so that you might believe and that you might be saved by the power of his name. By the power of his name. Just think of the weight that is put on Jesus' name as you read through the scriptures. A good example is just look at the relationship between the father and the son. Just watch how they interact. When you read the scripture, look at the dynamic between God the Father and God the Son and listen to what's being said. I'll just give you one example. They're, they're, they're all over the Bible. Here's one. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 10. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's how God the Father honored his Son, gave him the name that is above every name. So that's from the Father to the Son. You, you look at other dialogue in the Bible, look at the, what is being said from the Son to the Father. And the most common one I could think of that everybody would be able to relate to is the Our Father prayer. The disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means holy, revered, given great value and respect and honor. Hallowed be thy name was the example of the Son to the Father. God came down to earth to show us how to live because he loves us and he knows how it works best. He knows that honor in relationships, starting with God and percolating through our relationships with people, are the most important thing that will affect the quality of your life. We're going to get to the fifth commandment in a couple weeks, but it will determine whether or not life goes well with you. It will literally determine this principle will determine whether or not your life goes well. He came to save us from dishonoring him and each other so that he could restore our relationships. Amen? Here's the purpose of this series as we bring it to a close. At the end of this series, we will have a better picture of God's love for us as expressed in the giving of his commandments which result in life as he originally intended as we learn to love and obey God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, thank you for making it simple. Lord, I thank you that even a child can understand. And yet, Lord, it's not easy. Lord, unless you're working in and through us, it is very difficult for us to honor, to be able to love others by honoring them. And so, God, we come before you here today. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want us to do? I want to invite you to take a moment just to spend some time alone with God.
and ask God, what does he want you to do? What is he saying to you? And take a few moments just to do some business with God. While you're doing that, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. Go ahead in the privacy of your heart. Just respond to what God may be saying to you. Lord, I thank you for each person here and how you are drawing them to yourself and how you're speaking to their heart. And Father, we just acknowledge whatever you're doing. God, we ask that you would take us to the next step in our walk with you. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to address uh, another group here in the room today. As we're talking about a relationship with God, you may be here today recognizing that's an area in your life that you want to develop. And if you've never made a formal decision, if you've never made a conscious choice to invite God into your life, I want to give you that opportunity. It's real simple. It begins with a decision. And if that's a decision that you feel the time is now for you, then I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. And the way that'll work is, I'll just pray out loud. You can hitchhike on my words and God will hear you. Let's pray. Father God, I'm here today because I sense that you've been trying to get my attention and I'm responding to you. I'm making a decision to open up to you, to open my life to you. I recognize that not only do I need you, but I want you in my life. And so God, I invite you to come in by your spirit. I invite your son Jesus into my heart. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that were dishonoring to you or to others or to myself. Lord, I recognize that I've hurt some, I've hurt myself, and I'm asking you to forgive me for any ways that I've dishonored. And I thank you for Jesus, his death on the cross, and I ask you to forgive me. And I just right now, just open my heart and my mind to you, and I receive your forgiveness. Through Jesus' death on the cross, I accept his substitute for me on the cross And I thank you for your forgiveness. And I receive you into my life, and I ask that you would change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In Jesus' name.